Welcome to Grown Up Kids, a Disney podcast. I only hope that we never lose sight of one thing that was all started by a mouse. Hello and welcome to episode 13 of Grown Up Kids. I'm Katie. And I'm Megan. And today we're being joined again by Rory Cartelli. Welcome back to the show. So glad to be back so soon. (laughs) This is the podcast episode that didn't want to (laughs) be. Honest to God, guys. Thank you everyone for being patient because if you can believe it, we had even more problems this week. So it's currently the night before you're going to hear this and uh, yeah. we're recording it so At royal weddings already happened yes, <laughs> yes. we already watched princess megan become a thing well duchess uh, megan uh-oh All right. <laughs> yes so um we invited rory on for this episode because as we had mentioned when she was on last time we worked together in frontierland And working together in Frontierland also meant that we got to work the gift shop for Splash Mountain. So, this episode, we are discussing the incredibly controversial film, Song of the South. The banned film in America, Song of the South. The the movie that Disney pretends didn't happen, except for a ride. (laughs) Yeah. Man, I just, like, picked the most controversial podcast to be (laughs) on. (laughs) So yeah. true. I think that this one is more controversial than Victory Through Air Power. I agree. I think so. At least I, I, I will go out and say that this was the better movie than Victory Through Air Power. Yes. <laughs> it was more riveting in terms of catching my attention while watching it. Because at least there was fun animation in between the yeah. racism. <laughs> if you dig then, between, you find the fun part. And then even yeah. in some of the animation... They sprinkled in some racism. So, you know, we'll get to that, though. Yeah. 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 So, do we want to do our Disney Dash? Yeah, let's dive right in. Yay. Who's going first? I'll I'll Um, go first. I'll get this one. Pull it up, up, up. Pull it up, up, up. Okay. On your mark. Get set. This movie is based on the Uncle Remus stories of Briar Rabbit, Briar Fox, and Briar Bear. We also meet Uncle Remus, who works on a plantation after the Civil War. Johnny, whose family owns the plantation, is visiting his grandma and becomes friends with Uncle Remus. Johnny comes and visits with him, and Uncle Remus tells him all of his stories to help lead him through his trials and tribulations of the summer. I liked that! Yeah! Yeah. seconds! (laughs) Oof! Sum it up. That's great. <laughs> well, if I got into too much detail, it was definitely going over. Trials yeah. and tribulations. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I'll go. Okay. Are okay. you ready? Yeah. Set. Go. Johnny and his parents are traveling into the woods to the grandmother's plantation. Johnny's dad immediately leaves, which makes him run away upset. and means he meets Uncle Rumus, who begins to tell him about Burr Rabbit, which is the first of three fables. Johnny's life starts to mimic these fables as he uses the lessons to stand up to bullies and make new friends. His mother tells Uncle Rumus to stop telling him stories and ultimately stop speaking to him altogether. Uncle Rumus gets ready to leave, and Johnny chases him through a bullpen and gets attacked. Uncle Rumus and Johnny's dad rush back, and after Uncle Rumus talks to him, Johnny wakes up. The film ends with Johnny's dad stealing Uncle Rumus's stories, and without a single thank you from Johnny. Oh, you're like 
one second over. No, yes! like less than half a second. It was 30.4 seconds. Oh that was my up god. Close enough. That was good. You were like, boop, 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 boop. <laughs> that was good. Mine's yeah. really long, so I'm nervous. But if Rory Uh-oh. did it, I'm going to try. You got to talk quick. Are you ready? I also haven't read my Disney Dash for what? <laughs> two weeks? Like a week. <laughs> <laughs> All, right. All right. Three. Sorry, guys, I yawned. <laughs> I know, I'm trying not to right now. <laughs> Three, two, one. Johnny and his mom move in with his grandma. His dad abandons them. We meet Uncle Remus, who tells stories about Briar Rabbit and all the mischief he gets into, like outsmarting Briar Fox on a regular basis and teaching us lessons about love and dedication. Johnny meets a girl named Ginny and gets a dog from her. Two mean boys try to take it away. Johnny's mom is rude to Uncle Remus, and he decides to leave, but then Johnny gets hit by a bull while chasing after him. Uncle Remus comes back, and Johnny wakes up. Johnny's dad comes back, makes out with his mom, and all is well. <laughs> Dang, 22 seconds. Woo! Man, Katie that wins. <laughs> that was good. Yours definitely had way more detail than mine. That was what I was scared about. I knew I put too much in there. I was like, there's a lot that goes on in this movie. <laughs> there really is. It's, I mean, a lot happens in this film. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so some history for Song of the South. We're just going to dive right into it. It was released in 1946. Um, it's a combination of live action and animation, uh, and it's a musical. There's lots of singing. Zippity doo um, That's my ringtone on my phone. <laughs> it's based on the collection of Uncle Remus stories, as we all said in our dashes. It takes place in the southern U.S. during what's called the Reconstruction Era. So... This is technically one piece that people find to be controversial because in the summary or like, you know, reading information on this movie now, it states that it took place in the Reconstruction era, which is the period of time after the Civil War, which means that slavery is abolished. So these people working on the plantation are not meant to be portrayed as slaves in the movie, but it's never really stated in the movie what the year is. It was supposed to say it in a title card to begin with. Right. But then Walt decided not to. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. is weird. I don't understand why he wouldn't do that. Um, so people were not happy about the fact that he did not state specifically when this movie was taking place. Because it, if you look at like the architecture and the costumes and everything, it is very close to Civil War era. It's also confusing because all these people are clearly still working on a white on person's a plantation, plantation. Right, for and a like, white family. Even though, like, it's just, like, there's no definite answer, which right. is what I think is not okay. Like, they're clearly workers. Are they getting paid? Are they slaves? Right. It's not stated. Right. And if they are slaves, they look pretty happy about it, which right. I can't imagine would be truthful. Right. Um, yeah. It was very um, Gone with the Wind-esque. Yes. Like, um, like the a- after the Civil War is over and Gone with the Wind. I mean, Hattie McDaniel's in it, too. Um, so it just kind of reminded me of that. Yeah, it does. Like, the look of it, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so Walt wanted to produce a film based on the Uncle Remus stories for quite a while. Like, way back in 1939, he began negotiations to acquire rights to these stories. So this movie came out in 1946. So it took it took about seven years. In later 1944, they began filming. So the premiere for this movie took place in Atlanta. And Wikipedia tells me that it was a financial success, but not necessarily a critical success. 
Um, so people went to go see it. I think possibly because they're expecting, you know, it's a it's a Walt Disney film. Yeah. So they're, they're gonna cartoons. go. They're gonna buy the tickets. Um. So it didn't necessarily do as well critically, however, as it did financially. Though Zippity Doodah did win the 1947 Academy Award for Best Song, and James Basket. That's Uncle Remus, I believe. He plays Uncle mm-hmm. Remus, yes. He received an honorary Academy Award for his performance as Uncle Remus. Oh, you just said it. <laughs> Why? <laughs> yeah. Why just an honorary one, though? Like, that bothers I, me. I wonder if that, because it's it's not like, um, because b- prior to him winning this, Hattie McDaniel had already won an award for Best Supporting Actress. So it it couldn't have been that he wasn't part of those categories, but maybe the film just wasn't up to standard to necessarily be nominated for one of those roles. Maybe there were better performances that year. I wonder if maybe the Academy was kind of scared to give this film an award, too. I mean, mine was kind of... Minus Zippity Doodah. I mean, like, that's that's different. Like, Disney uses now, to this day, Zippity Doodah, like, plenty of times, you know? I mean... That's mm-hmm. just an iconic Disney song, regardless of where it came from. Um, but I, I don't it, know if maybe they were scared to give another award besides music. I mean, it could be. Walt Disney received an honorary Oscar for Snow White. Snow White. Yeah. You know, with, with the Seven Dwarfs, because that was the first time they had an animated film and they weren't sure what necessarily to do with it. Right. Um, you know, and if you, if you think of that and like, well, this is a film where we wouldn't necessarily reward the acting but this acting was really good and we're still not sure what to do about race because we're a struggling country morally so right. <laughs> um yeah i so it, i do want to note though in positive light towards walt he is the one who campaigned heavily yeah. for james basket to get an award mm-hmm. he said he that, was good friends with him yeah and he said that he basically created the role of uncle remus like he fully Mm -hmm. in a wholly took that role on and created it um devised like all the characterization of remus by himself Mm -hmm. so props to walt for getting him to even get an honorary award yeah because he probably wouldn't have i think i think roy's right i think um i just think people didn't know what to do yeah you know which is unfortunate and sad and i'm glad that they at least recognized him somehow and you know even if it wasn't the proper recognition right and even looking back like this is the 40s right there is still separation between blacks and whites in america at this point in history like there still is division so that could have played a role in it too i mean racism Mm -hmm. exactly all right, we going into some fun facts. As fun as they can get. <laughs> I tried Yay. to pull like actual there fun are, facts. There are so. some fun ones. I mean, like or I'm just interesting. I don't want so I know a lot of people are really excited for us to talk about this movie. Um some I think are excited to hear our takes on the racism in it and some are excited because they really truly like this movie. Um and I want to just give a disclaimer right now on two different accounts. First of all, I want to acknowledge the fact that we are three white women talking about racism in a movie. So we do have privilege. Mm -hmm. We recognize that privilege. Um, 
And, you know, if we say something out of line, like, I, I try so hard not to. Like, I don't, I don't want to. I am totally 100% aware that I am white and I have white privilege. Like, I'm not going to hide that and I'm not going to pretend that I don't. Um, so talking about this coming from our perspective could be different from somebody else talking about it with a different perspective. Um, I try to look at all sides. I am very progressive um, in how I think. I'm speaking for myself. I, I mean, I know I'm not saying that the other girls aren't, but like I don't. Put, with you. I don't want to put words into other people's mouths. But you know, we're we're a very progressive group of people. We want equality, you know, in all forms. Um, so I don't want to come across as overly privileged, but like we do recognize that we do have it. Um, yeah. And second, I don't want to totally bash this film. No. Because it's not there are all... There some great parts. Right. Too. It's not all yeah. bad. Um, there are just some parts that I just don't understand where Walt was coming from and why he thought some things were okay. Um, there are some parts in the film that are beautiful animation. The songs obviously are amazing. It won an Academy Award for Zippity Doodah. That's one of my all-time favorite songs. Like I said before in the episode, it's my ringtone on my phone. I still love Splash Mountain. I'm glad that watching this movie didn't ruin that ride for me because I, yeah. I was a little worried that it would. And I know that um, we were supposed to have another friend on this episode with us too, Sarah. She had told me that she was nervous to watch it. Because she didn't want Splash Mountain to get ruined for her either. Um, so, you know, disclaimer, I don't want to bash the film. But there are some really important things that we need to talk about with it in terms of racism. Um, and I don't want to come across as, you know. Thinking we know it all. Right. Because yeah. I don't know it all. No. I have yeah. not experienced half of the stuff that other people experience in America, but I, I try to be aware of it and I try to make sure that try to recognize it and bring yes, it to light. You know? Exactly. Right. Yeah. Sorry for the little soapbox. No, no that was important. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So fun facts or interesting facts or <laughs> just little nuggets of knowledge. Yeah. Um, facts, about <laughs> facts about Song of the South. Um, so Walt Disney borrowed the Briar Rabbit Tales from author Joel Chandler Harris However, the stories were originally published by Harper's Magazine as written by Robert Roosevelt, and that's Teddy Roosevelt's uncle. Hmm. I thought it was kind of cool. There. Hmm. Um, the NAACP released a statement that said that while the artistic and technical aspects of the film were truly impressive, quote, the production helps to perpetuate a dangerously glorified picture of slavery. The film unfortunately gives the impression of an idyllic master-slave relationship, which is a distortion of the facts. End quote. Yes, that was, I know from a lot of reading articles that I read, that is the biggest issue. And if they had just cleared up that this wasn't... Like the era? That, yeah, that this wasn't a master-slave relationship, that it really was... I mean, it really is unclear, you know? It is. It definitely yeah. is the whole time you're watching it. Um, and, you know, I think a lot of the issues could have been fixed with a simple subtitle in the beginning of the movie. It didn't, it didn't yeah. like, I don't know who exactly, but people were trying to tell Walt that he needed to do that and he just 
didn't. He just didn't listen. Yeah. Um, however, other reviewers thought that the issue was handled well. Even some of the actors defended the parts. Like Hattie McDaniel, um, she told the Criterion... I don't know if that's a magazine or what, but uh, a publication. Um, she said, if I had for one moment considered any part of the picture degrading or harmful to my people, I would not have appeared therein. Um, James Basket, again, Uncle Remus, agreed, and he said, I believe that certain groups are doing my race, my race more harm in seeking to create dissension than can ever possibly come out of Song of the South. Hmm. So we've got vastly varying opinions. I did, I did always wonder, like what they thought of it i mean like they're in it they're in this controversial film that people immediately saw as racist a how did they not see the racism and b what do they have to say about it well maybe in their head from the beginning they knew it was during what what is it called the reconstruction the reconstruction era so like to them it was like whatever but then looking back i wonder if they were ever like well maybe maybe it would have been been fixed if there was this subtitle Yeah. yeah um as meg said Walt did campaign for James Basket to win an Academy Award. Um, he actually talked to the president of the Motion Picture Academy himself um, and told him, like Meg said, that uh, Basket pretty much just created this character himself. He didn't need to even be directed. Because the stories of Uncle Remus are just that. They're just the stories. They don't show you who Uncle Remus is or, like, how he tells these stories like that was the part that was new mm-hmm. the whole mm-hmm. working on a plantation and having this little boy befriend him um telling him the stories to like help him overcome all of these things that he runs into and sees in the summer so that whole aspect of uncle remus james basket literally created from nothing which i yeah. love that character he's so do, lovable yeah, yeah. And cute, and I love his stories. But um, yeah. so he did receive that honorary Oscar, and he's the first actor to do so in a Walt Disney film. Um, Basket the first. Is it the first actor or the first black actor? I don't know. It just said first actor. Oh. Oh. Um, James Basket originally auditioned to play the butterfly's voice. Oh, I read this. Yeah. But when uh-huh. Walt heard his actual voice, he wanted to meet him personally um so he ended up playing uncle remus he voiced briar fox and the butterfly and he also filled in for briar rabbit um for john in the last one right in the laughing place scene and he also sang Mm -hmm. the laughing place song everybody's got a laughing place so this dude can do a lot of voices he's Um, clearly worthy of getting an academy award yeah yeah um to promote the movie the walt disney company created a comic strip about Briar Rabbit and it had a much longer l- shelf life than the movie. Mm. This reminds me of the ride a little bit, you know? Yeah. Like, like it's weird that the Walt Disney Company was able to use this movie um, and have it be more successful in a- other areas besides the movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like this comic strip with Briar Rabbit or the Splash Mountain ride, which still, still to this there. day entertains thousands of people on a daily basis mm-hmm. at not yeah. only Disney World, but Disneyland as well. So, but like nobody, I mean, I can guarantee you that 75% of the people who ride Splash Mountain at Walt Disney World or Disneyland have no idea where it's from. Right. Yeah. Or have been like, they know where it's from, but they're like, I've never seen it. Yeah. You know? Oh, it's Thumper. Oh yeah! Oh yeah. god! <laughs> oh my gosh! We no. always sold Thumper in the in the we Splash did. Mountain gift shop, and I always wondered and why. It's Briar Thumper. Yeah. They're trying to make a connection. They're trying to make people forget about this movie. <laughs> people bought it all the time. Oh, they they're like, oh "Look, god. it's Briar Rabbit," and you're like, mm. "No, no Briar it? Rabbit's brown. <laughs> Thumper's <so> gray." 
Brian uh-huh. Rabbit also has a pink shirt on. <laughs> yeah. Thumper's and just hands. naked. <laughs> um, thump it. <laughs> These days, Briar Rabbit and Briar Fox are voiced by Jess Harnell, who is also known to be Wacko from the Animaniacs. And I don't know this character, but Cedric on Sophia the First. I I think that's her brother. These characters obviously don't get used much, but occasionally they do pop up in video games, amusement park rides, as we know, and sometimes like a cartoon where Disney characters are mingling. I wonder Hmm. were the Briar, Rabbit, Fox, Bear characters in like the Epic Mickey? Epic Mickey series. I actually think they might be. That's like the last video game I can think of that they might be in, unless they're in like the... Kingdom Hearts. Kingdom Hearts. I, I don't think they're in Kingdom Hearts. Oh. <laughs> I'm like, I bet they are. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like they pull so many characters into Kingdom Hearts. That's why be, yeah. I love it. But... Um, are those it for your fun facts? Or you got more? I've got a couple more. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> On the final day of shooting, um, the animation director, Wilfred Jackson, discovered that the scene in which Uncle Remus sings the film signature song, zippity doo had not been blocked properly, which I think is, like, oh lighting. I love this one, yeah. <laughs> um, so, according to Jackson, we all sat there in a circle with the dollars running out and nobody came up with anything. Then Walt suggested that we shoot Basket in close-up, cover the lights with cardboard, save for a sliver of blue sky behind his head, and then remove the cardboard from the lights when he begins singing so it seems like he's entering a bright new world of animation so like here's walt disney the company with making these grand things and here they are just using cardboard and light to (laughs) redo a scene i mean this is like pure example here of how walt um saved his money aka he didn't (laughs) i mean he is already a successful I mean, he's successful in the movie business at this point, but he's still running out of money on movies, you know? Yeah. He's There's just a got... reason Roy always had to bring him in. Yeah. <laughs> he just has such grand ideas. I know. Mm. I don't know how true this is. Apparently all but five minutes of the film contains music. Hmm. Oh. oh, I wonder if they're counting, like, background music? I don't know. Probably. I didn't pay there... attention that much. I know. I was like, I know there's a lot of songs, but... Are there that many songs? I don't think so. So maybe that's what they mean. Um, James Basket spoke the part of Briar Fox so quickly that the animators were <laughs> unable to sync their animation with complete accuracy. <laughs> um, two of the animators calculated that he spoke about eight words a second or an eighth of a second per word. That's crazy. Jeez. And, like, thinking back, like, the first couple times I rode Splash Mountain, I couldn't understand Briar Fox, which I don't think is yeah. him. But yeah. still, like, just... An- that character just speaks so fast. Oh my gosh, Crazy. he could try the Disney Dash. He would <laughs> He'd be, be so, so good. <laughs> he could get all the details in. The whole story. <laughs> Alright, two more fun facts. Okay. okay. Bobby Driscoll, he played Johnny. Walt often referred to him as the living embodiment of his own youth. Which I thought I'm, was kind of really important. I'm not gonna lie, I totally thought that while watching it. I was like, this little boy reminds me of Walt. Well, we you know... know who Bobby Driscoll is, don't you? No. He's the voice of Peter Pan. <gasps> oh my god, he is. That kind of blows my mind. So, for him to be the embodiment of Walt's youth and be Peter Pan. Oh Whoa. my god. And he, he was also the, um, he was the, uh, 
like the stand-in actor too so like they, they based all of peter's movements off of like what he did in the oh, studio and his voice he had a very tragic life though um he died very young and um he, he was actually um like he died an anonymous death and they didn't find out that he died until 19 months afterwards when they were actually filming or doing like the re-release, the second release of Song of the South. And they were like, oh, where's this kid? We want to see what he's up to. And that's when they found out that he died. Jeez. Oh my Isn't that awful? Yeah. <laughs> Poor Bobby. Yeah. So Peter Pan right there. <laughs> that's crazy. Well, though. that is definitely Walt. Yeah. 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 I love that. Yeah. Last one, kind okay. of a weird one. Uh, Briar Rabbit laugh. His laughs from the laughing place scene. They were also reused in the Jungle Book when Baloo tickles King Louie when him, Bagheera, and Magoli, Magoli, Mo- Mowgli <laughs> make their escape from his palace. So here's another example of not reusing animation, but reusing sound. Hmm. He really loved James Baskett's voice. That's yeah. <laughs> That's a good um. laugh, too. Yeah, that is. Rory, do you have some? I do. I do. I have a. I have two more actually. Cool. Um, this one's actually one of my favorites. So, um, the mother and father in the film were actually married at the time of making the film and divorced shortly afterwards. Um, They couldn't handle that on-screen makeup. (laughs) When you see them in person, you're kind of like, I can see it. They kind of hate each other. That kiss um, is a little too passionate for me. Exactly. <laughs> I don't believe this is fake. <laughs> um, and then the other one, kind of, we were when we were talking about like Walt and like, you know, how he was always running out of money and he was always going. Um, one of the writers said, um, I think it, I have two names here, but I think it was Maurice Raff that said it. Um, but he said that Walt would end sessions, writing sessions, thinking everything was done. Then he would call the next morning saying he had a new idea. Sometimes it was good. Sometimes it was bad. But you can never, ever satisfy him. He always had a new idea for the story. I can um, see that. Yeah. Yeah, that that's fits. just, it's so Walt to me. Yeah. Like, everything that, like, I've known about him and have read about, like, that's just, it's its so perfect. It kind um, of, go ahead, I'm sorry. No, no, no. I was done. It kind of <laughs> makes know. me think of, um, and I only know this because of our roommate, but um, Bruce Springsteen, he's like an extreme perfectionist when it comes yeah. to his songs. And like his one song they recorded so many times, like his band almost gave up on him. So one that of, makes me think. One of them think, left. Yeah, yeah. I think it was like the drummer or something left because he was so tired. It was, I think it was Born to Run. Yeah, they were just so they tired recorded of recording Born it. Born to Run. Like it literally took like a year or two or something like that and to record Born song. to Run. So that oh makes me think of like, you know, just constantly wanting to be perfect and like perfect his craft and like make sure it's right because he's proud of it and he loves what he's doing. That makes me think yeah. of Walt. Mm-hmm. Just constantly like thinking of like, well, maybe we could do this. It might be better. No, maybe we could do this. Maybe this would be better. Maybe this would be more fun or whatever yeah yep yeah don't cool. yawn i know it's late <laughs> oh my god i'm sorry find your laughing place oh, i got it <laughs> all right so this is the fun part let's talk about racism <laughs> that's fun i probably shouldn't laugh I know, I know. <laughs> um okay so I found a handful of articles 
that talked about it, some, none of them are particularly positive, but there is one that is more negative than the others. So I want to save that one. Sheds a little more dark light. A little bit. Mm. And it's not very positive of Walt, which I don't like reading about. So, <laughs> but <laughs> Hey, we got to face the facts. We should. We got to so. talk about it. Um, okay. So one talks about actually... Not very long ago, Whoopi Goldberg received, I think it was last year, she received an award, or she was, like, inducted into, Um, she was honored at D23 for something. Yes. She was, yeah, she was honored as a Disney legend. So, and she brought up Song of the South, which was very, I feel like, out of left field. Yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But hey, maybe it's dear to her heart, I don't know. And she thinks that Disney should bring it out of the vault because that they need to learn from their mistakes, which I can see that hmm. point of view. I mean, because if you think about it, like, why isn't Dumbo locked away in the vault? Because there are some parts in Dumbo that are a little bit racist. There's yeah. the crows. There's the fact that, like, I mean, there's no diversity in that film. You're right. Um, I mean, like, there are other films from that era that are racist that aren't hidden away or banned, you know? Yeah. And I feel as if Song of the South being banned isn't necessarily, like, like the motion picture Academy's choice. It's more Walt Disney Pictures choice. I totally agree. Like, I feel, I feel like they, they aren't making them ban it. The Walt Disney Company is just putting the ban on themselves with it. Yeah. You know? I think it's also, like, pretty telling that it's only banned in America. It, yeah. Like, you can get it freely in Canada, yeah. over in the UK, like... Well, because I feel, you... like, with art, because, you know, motion pictures are a form of art. Mm-hmm. They're meant to be picked over and talked about and interpreted and you know the fact that we can't do that with this film really in america um i think you know i mean i don't want it to come across the wrong way but like i don't necessarily think that it should be banned per se like it is because you know like i said before there are plenty of other racist films that are not banned oh yeah and if this one is, then why aren't all of those others? <laughs> right? Like, Uncle Tom's Cabin? Is that banned? I mean, it's like a banned book, but you can still readily get it. I remember reading, when I was when I was reading up on this film, that the first writer, Walt was afraid, would turn it more into Uncle Tom's Cabin. Mm-hmm. And he didn't want to have that impression, which is why he hired the second writer to help fix the script. But then there was a dispute and he left before it was completed. And eventually there were three writers. Um, but Walt was trying to avoid having it be similar to Uncle Tom's Cabin. I feel like um, Whoopi Goldberg in this brings up something that I feel has been coming up a lot lately. And it's... Do we keep something around and learn from it? Or do we hide mm. it? Or do we get rid of it because it was wrong? And I, I, don't, I don't know, know the, answer. the answer to that because I totally see both sides. Mm-hmm. Do we, I mean, yeah, clearly 
some things were wrong in our past and we need to correct them. But is it is the right solution keeping it around to learn from it or do we just like kick it aside and forget about it? You know? But could you imagine like if you were a kid like not even necessarily kid, but like if you were in high school and this was part of, you know, the US American history about the Civil War slash reconstruction slash reconstruction era and you're learning about race relations and why like you have to do a paper as to why this film is bad or like what 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 goes wrong with it don't you think that that would like adding that into the curriculum would sort of make you more prepared for you know as as you get older and you know um, race relations become more to the forefront and you realize that oh I guess everything isn't fixed the way I thought it was when I was a kid Mm -hmm. you know and being able to like draw back on that and being like well this was wrong it doesn't seem wrong at first to us but when you look at it and you see the complacency in it and the like you said ideal slave owner relationship like that is wrong how that's portrayed Mm -hmm. but I think that like if if you're not bringing that out in the open like what you know, yeah, you're right. <laughs> I kind of lean more towards the idea of having these things be available because they start conversations. Yes. I mean, uh, yeah, you guys are right. Hiding something away, people are never going to know. There's no room to change because there's no room to learn. Right. You need education. Yeah. And I mean, if you think back to high school, like whenever we were learning world history with World War II. And you think back to learning about Hitler and the concentration camps um, and even even the the Japanese concentration camps in America. And we don't talk about those as much, I don't think. Because they hid them. Right. Right. I mean, I feel like some people don't even really know that those existed. This stuff shouldn't be swept under the rug because otherwise we're never going to grow as people. We're always just going to keep getting stuck being the same because yeah. our I mean, children how- aren't going to learn unless they have these things to be like, oh, you know what? That's not right. I mean, how long did we celebrate Columbus Day? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. when you think about that, like talk about things being swept, swept under the rug. It's still on the <laughs> calendar every year. Yeah. I mean, I mean, there's a Columbus Circle like surrounded by Italian flags here in Baltimore. Yeah. <laughs> like huge tribute to Cristoforo Colombo as we say in Italy but thank you guys yeah I have a solid foundation of opinion now well see I've never <laughs> I've never really understood banned books nope. and, yeah. this, and this just pours over into film now you know yeah. I mean mm-hmm. if you think back to English class in high school we read all kinds of controversial books because even though, like, I, I don't know what it is, but, like, whenever a book is banned, it's, like, not really that hard to still get a hold of. So, <laughs> so like, To Kill a Mockingbird, yeah. right, is that what? Such a good book. Right. That's a, that's a banned book, but, like, every mm-hmm. school reads it. Mm-hmm. So, so and, and it's good, with good reason that they read it. And we read Uncle Tom's Cabin in high school. I did. I didn't. I didn't. I read it. Well, I don't know. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, I mean, like, there there are those books that are controversial that you do learn about in high school and even college. You delve deeper into some, depending on what your major is or whatever your classes you're taking. But, I mean, if, if you think about it, Harry Potter is banned in some countries, yep. right? So, like, 
how many things can you learn from that book? And I, you know, I'm not saying that I think that it has any basis to be banned at all. Like, clearly, you can't compare Harry Potter being a banned book to, like, Uncle Tom's Cabin being a banned book. Like, it's totally wait, different wait, ends of the spectrum. Wait a second. You guys like Harry Potter? We <laughs> do really love Harry Potter. And, you wow, know, news. Harry Potter has some really awesome racism lessons in there. That it does. It yeah. really does. They're just <laughs> hidden. They're hidden, but they're there. By their uh, whitewashed casting. (laughs) Yeah, let's not talk about the movies. (laughs) (laughs) So, so yeah, I've always been about, like, I don't understand the point of band. There's nothing positive, I don't think, that comes from sweeping something under the rug. This movie, this movie, like, I don't understand why we can't, I I mean... (sighs) It's hard to like put it without coming across as like I don't care that it's racist. Like I care that no, it's you care I that, care it that is it's racist. racist. But I think that's the that point. I think that I would like to be able in the future to show my kid this movie and be like, you know, you can watch this movie and you can appreciate the story for what it is, but let's take a look at what's wrong with it. And yeah. it could be a really good lesson teacher. You could be like, can you believe that this was real was okay. at one point? Like how, you know, that's so wrong. Right. And still that in your yeah. kid's head, you know? And even though the movie, and I think people get too worried that, oh, I'm going to show my kid that movie and they're going to think that it's okay. Well, no, just teach them different. <laughs> but you have to be, you, and you know, I don't want to like school people on being parents, but like that's part of the teaching process of showing them said movie, Right. Like, it has to be a teaching thing. And the great thing, too, is with this film, you know, it's it's the type of racism that I feel like would be easier to explain to a child. Yeah. If that makes sense. You know, like, mm-hmm. sweetie, see how, like, they're talking to them? That's wrong. Whereas when I was a kid, I think I was seven or eight, my parents sat me down and we watched the Roots miniseries. And if you want a... Um, a crash course into everything that was wrong with America at the time of the civil war, like, and all its bloody gory goodness that, you know, like as a seven year old, that scarred me, (laughs) Um, you know, so it's sort of a a way to start to introduce it to them and then bring up the really bad stuff, sort of the way that history does with, you know, like after she learned about, Oh, we took over. The, or we, the pilgrims landed and then you learn more and more and eventually you get to college and you learn all the awful truths about. Right. <laughs> about right. Yeah. I mean, like whenever you're in like <laughs> kindergarten, you're just like, oh, yay, Thanksgiving. Yeah. They had a big party. Everyone, everyone was party. so happy. And everybody ate corn. I'm going to be an Indian. <laughs> yeah. 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 You guys are totally correct. And one last thing that I pulled from this first article um, is that they talked with um, they talked with a folklorist. Her name was Patricia A. Turner, and she mm-hmm. talked about the one black child in the film who is Toby. Oh. I mm-hmm. love him. He's so cute. He's so sweet. I wish he was in it more. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think. I wonder he... he just disappears, and you're like Toby. Where'd yeah. Toby go? <laughs> Where is he? But they talk about. She talked about how his entire purpose through the through the whole film seems to just be to entertain Johnny. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's, like, in charge of him. Like, yeah. in charge of watching him. Like, I think why? Johnny's older than he is. Yeah, why is this little yeah. kid in charge of watching him? And not only that, he also um, caters to Johnny <laughs> in the film, you know? she wrote... And what his parents say. Right. Right. 
Yeah. And and she wrote, kind old Uncle Remus caters to the needs of the young white boy whose father has inexplicably left him and his mother at the plantation. An obviously ill-kept black child of the same age named Toby is assigned to look after the white boy, Johnny. Although Toby makes one reference to his ma, his parents are nowhere to be seen. The African-American adults in the film pay attention to him only when he neglects his responsibilities as Johnny's playmate keeper, and he is up before Johnny in the morning in order to bring his white charge white charge water to wash with and keep him entertained. Yeah. So he basically plays the role of, like, what a slave would have played. Right. Uh-huh. Again. Um, again. Unclear. Yeah. And right. still, like not correct his role could have been handled very differently he could have been a friend to johnny in a very different oh, way yeah than how they portrayed it yeah and i think that yeah i really hate how like like to- little toby has so much potential he was so cute yeah. he could have just been a great friend who you know maybe it was uncle remus's grandson or something i was waiting for like that revelation or something yeah, like same. but like his parents are never seen because all of the other people are just like it's like they have a community together over in the plantation and like they mm-hmm. live there again they're segregated again, they're yeah completely segregated from the white people in the film and yeah. the, again, this little boy who's the same age as Johnny is really just there to like watch after him and take care of him. Like, why can't Toby get his own damn water? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, honestly. <laughs> or why can't his grandma get it for him, you know? Yeah. It just was very. Or his mother actually, like, yeah, do, do something. something instead of yell at him for yeah. anything. She was awful. She was <laughs> awful. <laughs> yeah, she was really terrible. Um,. Okay, next article is this one. Um, I'm just going to read a little expert, the excerpt that I pulled from it um, that I thought was interesting. So Zippity-Doo-Dah is quintessential Disney. Uh, it's simple, sunny, and utterly uncomplicated. But the history of Song of the South is as thorny as the briar patch that Briar Rabbit calls home. Um, Though Disney re-released the film several times through the mid and late 20th century, it was trailed by persistent accusations of racism. And after a return engagement in 1986 in celebration of Song of the South's 40th anniversary, Disney locked the film away in its vault to date. And to date, it has never been released in the United States in any home video format. FYI, the only reason that Katie and I were able to watch it was because of, like, some bootleg copy that we came across, which is ridiculous. Yep. <laughs> like, we should be able to watch this to talk about it um, so that we can inform other people about what is good and bad about it. Mm-hmm. I digress. Nothing's going to change if you don't talk about it. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and when Disney CEO... Bob Iger was asked in 2010 if fans would ever see a Song of the South DVD. He called the movie antiquated and fairly offensive and said that there were no plans to make a DVD or Blu-ray. And still, to this day, that has not happened. And I don't see that it happening as long as Bob Iger is there. He just doesn't want to open that can of worms. So I think that um, another interesting thing that this article talks about is the comparison of Song of the South to Zootopia. And kind of like a uh, bad film versus good film in terms of talk about race. (laughs) So I don't know if anybody, and we're going to get into this deep once we hit Zootopia, but that's going to be a long time from now. We'll see you in 2050. (laughs) (laughs) Um, However, Zootopia talks about race. They 
talk about it in oh. the right way. Yeah. So it's very clear. I mean, a child, I don't think, would necessarily catch on to this. But this is what I love, especially about, like, the newer Disney films, is that they make sure that there's something in the films for kids just as much as there is for adults. Um, I guess I should have said that the other way around, but whatever. <laughs> and, uh, so Zootopia, they really delve deep into racism in the community. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, they talk about the whole... What is the what are the two words that I'm looking for? Prey versus predator. Yes, prey versus predator. And how the predator is viewed in a negative way and they have to um like change something within their like chemical makeup to make them not be aggressive. And it's like very touchy stuff, really. How they, like, get into this prey versus predator thing. But then they bring it all together at the end in, like, the most beautiful way possible. I like that the main character also majorly screws up. And, yes. like, has to realize oh, she I was messed being, up. you know, I was racist. being prejudiced. Yeah, I was being prejudiced. I was being So we're talking about Judy Hopps. Yeah. Yeah, Judy oh, Hopps. Felt so good. Oh, it's <laughs> such a good movie. So So, good. <laughs> so Judy is... um prejudice against foxes because she's a rabbit and in her community foxes are bad they are predators of rabbits they've never let go of the old stigmatism she's had a bad experience in the past with one so she her dad gives her a fox off is that what it's called fox Fox repellent or something like that Uh um and she gets sent into the the city center of zootopia and she takes her fox repellent with her on her first mission as a police officer aka to write tickets she's a meter maid Um, but she does run into a fox and she befriends him and he has this whole scheme going on to like make money and she like tries to stop him but they end up becoming friends over it because they work on a case together but then he discovers that she has this prejudice against foxes and it really puts a strain on their relationship it really as it him. should mm-hmm. but then she fixes it she realizes she was wrong yeah and i think <laughs> that the way that they portray that in an animated film is just like mind-blowing yeah once i realized how deep it was getting i was like whoa yeah i love so, this <laughs> so they say in this article um and i will share all three of these articles to our facebook group page for everybody <clears throat> but They say it's hard not to think about Song of the South while reading reviews of Disney's new movie Zootopia, which have been almost uniformly positive and especially impressed by the movie's treatment of race. Um, Forbes' Scott Mendelson calls Zootopia a new Disney classic while hailing its strikingly blunt and unrelentingly committed race relations parable. Um, And it is Disney's most important and political film yet. While talking about that, people are just thinking how the polar opposite Song of the South is. And how Disney has literally just, as we've said, swept that one under the rug. Um, yeah. and, and I think that, you know, while these two movies deal with race in a very different way, both can still be used to teach it in different ways. Mm-hmm. Like Zootopia is in your face and like a positive light. 
but Song of the South is also in your face, but just in a negative light. <laughs> so it's, you know, again, with me saying, I, I don't think that it should be banned. Oh, it does say in this, um, in this article as well that, like, the words slave and slavery are never said in the movie. It's just left deliberately vague through the entire thing. Um, so by stripping out any concrete details of time and place, Disney essentially turns the plantation system into a ludicrous utopia where blacks and whites live in harmony. Um, though a harmony where the only thing that's clear is that the blacks are inferior and serve the whites. And they are also content mm. to work the fields anyway. Yeah. And this could have been avoided, yeah. I think. It could have partially been avoided, but at the same time, it does still, like, just make it all look... Yeah so happy yeah you know i mean sure those people may have felt comfortable working in the plantation because that's what they were doing even before the civil war but now they're getting paid for it so like maybe it's better but they're still like living an inferior life right you know yeah so they're still being treated second class and also this is something else that we haven't brought up because I've mostly mm. I've mostly said that like the animated parts are usually pretty safe. It's yeah. it's the live action parts that aren't. But there was one animated scene that was pretty bad, I think. A little bit. And that is when uh Briar Fox and Briar Bear make Tar Baby, which yeah. is just absurd. Yeah. Now if if I remember correctly and correct me if correct me if I'm wrong. But the way that, like, that that story came from an actual Uncle Remus story, correct? Like, that wasn't, like, created by Disney, like, the term Tar Baby or, like, or, like how that fable came. I think that's how it he was originally yeah, done he, in the story. I think you're correct. He definitely did not create that term. I know that. Well, yeah, definitely not that term. Um, it says here... As gorgeously animated as the Briar Rabbit sequences are, their messages don't exactly help Song of the South's case in the offensiveness department. Several of Remus's stories are about Briar Rabbit wanting to run away from his problems. Um, the moral, inevitably, is that you can't avoid trouble and there's no place like home. These lessons are particularly important to Johnny because he doesn't like life on the plantation initially and wants to run away to live with his father in Atlanta. But when coupled with the African-American character's oddly cheerful attitude about their social status, the movie seems to be arguing on behalf of complacency. Don't leave Mm. the plantation. Don't try to better yourself. Just go with the flow. One of the animated shorts, the one that gets recounted in the animatronics portion of Splash Mountain, in fact, (laughs) involves Briar Rabbit getting stuck in a tar baby. While the cartoon itself isn't necessarily about race, the use of that term as an insult towards African-Americans is yet another strike against the film. And no, the tar baby doesn't appear in Splash Mountain. Instead, Briar Rabbit gets stuck in a beehive. Um, so it doesn't say if it's originally, like, in the stories. I, I don't think that they made up random stories in the animated parts, though. Like, I do feel like those are... Oh, no, I found it. The tar baby and other rhymes of Uncle Remus, written in 1904. The writer and... I. I... I apologize, I made an incorrect assumption, but the writer of Uncle Remus's stories was a white guy. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, I made was... that incorrect assumption as right? well. Right? Yeah, it was... That, uh... that is Oh, our... right, Katie told us. Yeah. 
he was an Irish immigrant. He was raised uh, in the South. And, so uh, that's well, interesting. That, that kind of changes a little bit. Well, I mean... I mean, that kind of matches the, um, you know, the ending, how, like, Johnny's father just, like, shows up, starts telling the stories, like, white guy right. telling, uh, taking credit for the story. So, like, it kind of, kind of matches. Yeah. But that's, like, there's this white guy writing fables about African-American mm-hmm. fables in the South. Yeah. It's kind of odd. Yeah. Yeah. So. Man, that, like, gives the whole thing a new meaning. A little bit. He had a cool signature, though. (laughs) (laughs) Just on Wikipedia. (laughs) Um, This is interesting, too. It says that they believe that Disney saw Uncle Remus as an unequivocally positive character, and some critics observed a kinship between Uncle Remus and, quote, Uncle Walt. Because people did call Walt Uncle Walt. Uncle Walt. Um. Both men with an unshakable belief in the power of stories who've dedicated their lives to entertaining and educating children, which I can see. I mean, that's interesting, too. Like, the other day I was watching Saving Mr. Banks and, you know, the um, the whole how, like, Walt wanted Mr. Banks to have a mustache because he had a mustache. Like, yeah. you know, he wanted like... to put himself in the films. <laughs> exactly. Um, it also states here, although Johnny's mother repeatedly orders Remus not to tell Johnny any more stories, those same stories eventually save Johnny's life. At the yeah. end of the film, Remus's words seem to heal Johnny after he suffered a potentially deadly injury. It's very possible that Disney had good intentions and still wound up with a very questionable movie. I think yeah. that he did have good intentions. I just think that he didn't take a step back to really look at the whole picture. Yeah before okaying it like he had he had good intentions with what he wanted the film to be and there were some steps that he could have taken to definitely lead it in a better direction but he didn't like making toby a better character Um, poor toby i mean really like the whole setup of the plantation really was unnecessary Like, there could have, because, you know, like, that part was all just kind of created by Walt and the writers, right? Like, that whole live-action part is just totally new. The only things that are the Uncle Remus stories are, like, the animated bits and the stories that, obviously, Uncle Remus is telling to Johnny. Yeah. So there could have been a different way to make these stories happen. Like, why couldn't the movie have just been centered around an entire black community? Yeah, why would why point? Uncle why Remus be telling Toby these stories? Mm-hmm. And maybe they went back to the whole, like, the original author, and maybe they were trying to, like, maybe they were trying to, like, make it like, oh, well, this is this white guy who took things from African-American folklore and oral yeah. tradition. And we're like, oh, well, let's make the film about that instead. Yeah. Which, I agree, I think it was a missed opportunity. I think I would have liked that. It could have just been Uncle Remus telling Toby. Yeah. And like because, I mean, the heart of this movie, I mean, as much as we're talking about the racism, like, the heart of this movie really is those Br'er Fox, Br'er, Br'er Bear, Br'er Rabbit stories. Like, right. like you you can cut out, and I mean, they did in the future, but they, right. yeah, and you can cut out all the other parts, and mm-hmm. you still get these great stories. Yeah, minus the Tar Baby. Minus the Tar Baby, but I think Splash Mountain did a good, you know, that's another the thing beehive. where in hindsight, they yeah. could have just made it the Beehive, and I mean... Right. 
I, I have to say that's still one of my favorite things is the please, please don't throw me into that briar patch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's unfortunate with what's associated with in the movie, but I choose to remember it as he's in the beehive. Right. <laughs> yeah. He had good intentions. I think that it just was not um, successfully executed. No. Yeah. There, there were failings. Yeah. So one last article is the rather negative article. I mean, not that the others weren't negative, but like, okay. So in this last article, um, they talk about an author who wrote a book called Disney's Most Notorious Film. And his name is, um, his last name is Spurb. What is his first name? I feel like it's Jason. I don't know. Spurb. Okay. Spurb. (laughs) So he calls Song of the South one of Hollywood's most resiliently offensive racist texts. So one of like the first main points that he talks about is that he feels that it's a myth that the racial characters in the Song of the South were like a product of its time, quote. A lot of people argue, like the people who defend the film say that, like, oh, it's just a product of its environment. Like it's from the time that's, period. That's another way to just brush it under the rug. It is. Yeah, people use that with a lot of things, right? He also goes on to say that, in short, he thinks that Disney knew he was playing with a loaded gun before even filming began. Um, Not only, this is quote as Spurb says, not only is Song of the South a movie derogatory because of its Uncle Tomism, it was made by people who were well aware of the stereotype who knew others would be offended, and who clearly felt there was nothing wrong with that. <laughs> I think that that is the the quote that I read where I was like, oh, this is not nice. <laughs> about. <laughs> I think that kind of goes back to the writers, because I think it did start to mention the writers in this article, too, just about how you mm-hmm. had one of the writers who was Southern-born, who they thought would do a bad job with it, so then they had another guy come in. The, um, the other guy came in actually a couple years later, got outed as a commie, and got ousted out of Hollywood. Um, so you've got two complete different <laughs> viewpoints there trying to write this film, and what we got was a product of their disagreements. Right. He explains that racial progressivism was at a high point in America coming out of the war. So black Americans had served ably, of course, and Americans were eager to prove their superiority to the Nazis in terms of ethnic tolerance. So Mm. he feels like this film was a product of that. Like Walt saying, oh, no, look at our tolerance. Mm. Oh, God. You know? (laughs) Is it it bad that I can imagine him saying that? I know. And I I don't like seeing him in that light. But at the same time... not everybody is perfect like Walt wasn't perfect he definitely had his flaws and I you know I don't want to say oh well it was the time period but a lot of people were like that then unfortunately and I'm glad that we've progressed from that yeah mostly not gonna say everybody has Mm -hmm. but mostly also side note I didn't know that any Song of the South little golden books existed right I was looking at that I'm like oh I need them. <laughs> I have I have a lot of Song of the South uh, memorabilia, if I'm being honest. 
and but you like it for the characters i do and, like and, cartoon yeah. characters. no 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 yeah no i'm not saying that and like oh no i own this stuff but like it is it, it, like it's more I like for rabbit stuff <laughs> yeah exactly and not only that but like i am a person who is like this shouldn't be banned like right you know i mm-hmm. i like splash mountain so in turn i want to collect all of the song of the south memorabilia <laughs> because it's like oh splash mountain to me you know yeah it's a good read If someone wanted to, like, learn more about it from probably a little bit more of an educated stance than what we're approaching it Mm -hmm. with, you know, with with more like, go here, go there. Like, I think it's a good article for that just to kind of like an in-depth, like, unbiased view. Right. Yeah. Well, do we want to go through our... Actually talking about the movie? (laughs) (laughs) Our favorite, our favorite characters? Do we have yeah. any characters? I do. I do. Go for it. Well, I would say Uncle Remus because I absolutely love Uncle Remus who doesn't, but I figured everyone would pick him, so I picked a secondary character okay. too. Um, and I picked it solely for one line, um, and that was um, Jimmy towards towards the end when, she, when her dress gets a stain on it. And um, Johnny's trying to help. She says... Uh, or he goes, I'll clean your dress. And she starts crying and she's like, you're making it worse. <laughs> and, and I was just like, oh, that's mansplaining in a nutshell. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. here's a stain on your dress. I'll fix it. Stop touching me. <laughs> you're making this so much worse. Yeah. And I don't know. I, I think when like the movie on a whole like you know she's she's such a sweet person like oh here have my dog and my <laughs> brothers are awful and oh, you know she has are. a cool name <laughs> yeah so yeah so i think she's pretty cool but i mean who doesn't love uncle remus yeah i i love uncle remus too i mean he's my favorite but if i had to pick a secondary i think Okay, so I want. I also I forgot that I wanted to add this one thing in because I know that um, our friend Sarah had wanted to talk about it a little bit. Uh. That she was surprised how unlovable Briar Rabbit was. Yeah. So like, <laughs> you know, coming from four people who are fans of Splash Mountain. Rory, had you seen this movie before we did this, or was this the first time? This was my second time, but my first time, I was younger. My um, my uncle had got a, like a bootleg copy of it, and like they brought it down to Florida once, and I didn't remember. Like as I watched it this time, I like kind of remembered some of it, but now for the most part, this is kind of like the first time seeing yeah. it. Like woke, right? So like our perspective of song of the south really was just splash mountain yeah um so i have always loved briar rabbit like he's been one of my favorite characters at the disney parks for forever i've always loved going on that ride i wanted to work in frontierland when i started my college program um because Splash Mountain, like, when they asked me in my interview, what's your favorite ride, immediately the answer was Splash Mountain. Like, it just always was the one that jumped to my mind. Yeah. So, to me, Briar Rabbit was always a lovable character. Like, oh, he's just this little rabbit that is getting harassed by this annoying fox and bear 
who are chasing him all over the place and they because they just want to eat him right so like (laughs) that was my knowledge of this movie you know so going into watching this Briar Rabbit really is just annoying. (laughs) And it kind of was a little bit disappointing because I had always viewed him as this lovable, fluffy bunny rabbit who was just, you know, having a bad day because this stupid (laughs) fox and bear keep chasing him everywhere. And he just, you know, wants to go off on an adventure when in reality, like, he really was just annoying. (laughs) So it was a little bit disappointing. And that's, Sarah had agreed with that as well. She was like, I just couldn't believe how, like, unlovable he was. I'm like, yeah, you're right. He really is not lovable like I wanted him to be. So, like, I went into this movie thinking, oh, Briar Rabbit's going to be my favorite. Like, of course he is. But in reality, it came out being Uncle Remus. Yeah. He's just so... He's like, he's like your grandpa, you know? Mm-hmm. He just has that figure. He's just that type of figure. And I yeah. like him a lot. And he puts up with a lot of crap from that Seriously. stupid grandma and mom. Who I just the grandma's punch not as bad, but the mom's just awful. Oh, she's terrible. She jumping in. Oh, well, Katie didn't say favorite. Uncle Remus is my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he just, I love, um, he's a total adult, but he knows how to be childish. Yes. I think he would be a grown-up kid. <laughs> he would um, <laughs> I love how, like, he literally can't help himself from sharing these stories that yes. he yeah. loves to talk about. Yes. Like, you know, the mom is like, don't share anymore, and he's like, okay, ma'am, like, I won't. And then, and like, then he totally does. He just starts <laughs> he laughing to. to himself, and he's like, I just got him, thinking about that briar rabbit. And then he tells, but like they're not just stories. Like he tells it to these kids to teach them lessons, and mm-hmm. then you see these kids learn these lessons in the film. So yeah, yeah. he's just such a good like grandpa figure. Mm-hmm. He's just lovable, and he's got such an amazing voice. Yeah, like, you can't yeah. help but love him. Like Zippity Doodah is just so great. And mm-hmm. also, he even like thinks that he's not good to be around Johnny and these kids anymore, and decides to pack up and leave himself. I mean, I don't agree with his decision, but, like, you know what I mean? That's true, because she never tells him to leave. She just tells him to stop talking altogether, and he's the one who then decides to leave. He probably is like, I know that I can't do that unless I Exactly. Reminds me of another Remus. He does a little bit. That's all I'm gonna say. (laughs) Eat some chocolate. It'll help. (laughs) (laughs) So least favorite character for me is the mother she just (laughs) the mother (laughs) i mean she got a thank god i have an awesome mom yeah because she is just she's kind of just a stick in the mud man yeah you know, I'll even add, like, I don't like the mother, but I really don't like the father either. Yeah, like, same. they're just, 
They're the not good them... at parenting. <laughs> well, well, that, yeah, definitely. But, like, they're on their way there, and they're telling him about how, like, you know, Uncle Remus told these stories, and, like, the kid, like, knows about these stories in advance. So you know that they got something out of them mm-hmm. when they were kids. And, and if you believe that this was during the Reconstruction phase, they grew up then during the Civil War. Right. You know, his parents. So they grew up with a different, I guess, mindset. But still, you have, like, you have these, like, they grew up with these stories. And then they're like, or, you know, the mom's like, no, like, you can't teach him anymore. And then the dad just goes off to Atlanta to Lord knows what. Um, And then at the end, this bugged me so much. And, like, I I put it in my, my Disney dash, like, it bugged me so much that at the end, you know, the grandma lets Uncle Remus in. He comes in. He talks to Johnny. Johnny wakes up. And then his parents are there. And Uncle Remus leaves. And no one acknowledges him. No one says anything. And the film's yeah. allowed to end like that. Like, that drove me insane. Yeah. Like, at least some sort of acknowledgement of, thank you. You can right. stay. I was wrong. Yeah. Right. I you feel very so strongly right. Which about that. Not... <laughs> No, that's good. I mean, because that's just another negative towards Uncle Remus, right? Right. I mean, like, why is he not getting credit in this film? And, like, I feel as if that would have been such a simple thing for Walt to put in to make it a little better. Yeah, it kind of just, like, fades into the background, and then that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Anyway. So I don't like her. Yeah, I'll say the mom's my least favorite, probably just because, like, she's the parent I don't want to be. Like, she's let her kid be a kid. Right. Yeah. Um, But I also want to, not that he's my least favorite or anything, but I kind of wanted to point out that I was very disappointed by Briar Bear. And I think that's clouded from Mm -hmm. my only knowledge of this movie being from Splash Mountain, where he, in that ride, he is, like, a big, lovable dummy. Like, mm-hmm. he's just kind of tricked into helping, right. Briar, helping Fox. Briar Fox. Yeah. But in the movie, yeah. he was mean. Like, yeah. he was still, like, kind of dumb. But he was, like, really mean. And I just wanted him to be, like, a big doofus. Right. And that he, like, last wasn't. one, though, he just wanted to go to the laughing place. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah I, didn't, yeah, I didn't think about that, but you're right. He wasn't as dopey yeah. as I wanted him to be. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. as I was led to believe he was from the film. Or the ride. Well, they clearly changed a lot for the to better. make definitely <laughs> they changed a lot to make that ride more timeless yes like yeah. clearly this film like i know and that's another thing that i don't really understand with this film is that mm. walt was always about time maybe that might be why he didn't want to put a year because oh. he was always about things being timeless. timelessness but then that just like but at the same time him. it was like mm, this one kind of needed it yeah but plantations were like you know, when this film came out, it's not like they were wide, Spread. like plantations were still widely used right. and worked. Yeah, I don't know. So, I don't know. Well, it's a good point, thinking? though. The cartoons are timeless. Well, right. yeah, except for the one. Except for the one. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, most of them. If you take the if you take the context of the story in the ride, Splash Mountain, mm-hmm. it's timeless. Yes. Yes. All right. Um, favorite scene? Hmm. You know, know, I really, I, can't, I, I, I think I forgot to write down about it. 
which is annoying me. But <laughs> I really liked the scene where Uncle Remus and Hattie McDaniel were in the kitchen. Just the two of them talking. And I can't remember why I liked that scene. And I'm so mad I didn't write it down. Is she but I just remember I really grandma? liked that scene. No, Hattie McDaniel's the um, the maid that they bring with them. Oh, 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 right, right, right. Yes, yes, yes. Um, I'm trying to see if I wrote oh, down why I like. I just remember thinking, like, I love this scene. It's my favorite scene. But I don't think I actually wrote down why I liked it. <laughs> I'm you sorry, guys. <laughs> That's okay. Um, I think that I like the scene whenever uh, Johnny and Ginny at the end are like going off to his party mm-hmm. and then her mean brothers push her in the mud, but then they go and are like hanging out. And then uncle Remus comes and just like makes the, makes the day better with another <laughs> story. Yeah. I was going to say that that part was mine, but only the part, like I said before, where he just couldn't stop himself from telling another story. Yeah, and it he was, was just like, so I cute. know that yeah. I'm probably going to get in trouble for this, but I have to tell this just, story. Yeah, he just couldn't stop himself. Yeah. yeah. And I love that. I think that's important because he's like, no, these kids need something right now. They need a lesson. They need a, a cheer up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that was more important. What did we take away from the film? I took away you guys helping me to define an opinion that I was really on the fence about. I didn't hmm. know if um, it was better to if ban it was it better or... to ban or if it was better to not ign- that sounds now it like sounds really ridiculous but um, acknowledge it, it yeah or if it was better to get rid of some things because they're wrong um, but I really was on the fence just because I didn't know what the correct answer was but it's a hard decision it to is. make because but I think you guys are right yeah because like you know I can see I can see both opinions in terms of like oh well what if this what if somebody watches this movie and they just watch it with like no context and like nobody there to teach them about the good or bad could Mm -hmm. it put bad ideals in their head um or comes good or have it be out in circulation and like you know have it be a lesson this stuff happens we have to be we have to take responsibility for it and learn from it that's what we got to do so history doesn't repeat itself and so we can change and grow. I mean, if you think about it, if you are traveling over in Europe, like, you can go and see Anne Frank's apartment that she had to live in. Right. You can go yeah. and visit Auschwitz, which is horrible. But mm-hmm. those things are there for us to be reminded of what they were. Yeah. Um, and I think that the same goes for film and books. I mean, somebody made this film thinking that it was okay, and it's not. Somebody wrote books that may not have been okay to write, but we learn from them. Um, And I think that that has to be the way that we move forward as a human race to, you know, obviously try and stop producing things like this that should get banned, but... You know, these these things are learning. It's learning material, you know, that I think that should be out there for people to view and learn from and discuss. It brings people to discuss it, which is the first step in in fixing fixing things. Yep. Rory, what was your takeaway? Do we say it? Um, I mean, I agree with everything Megan just said. Um, I will comment on the the cartoons 
aspect a little bit just because I still like even as a kid and even today like I still think the like please please don't throw me into that briar patch like that's okay hangs me if you got to like <laughs> I still think that that's like one of the the smartest um like things that's ever I don't I don't know why like I always loved that both in the ride and in the films. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will say that at least with the animation parts of Song of the South, like there were parts where I saw like even little background characters that I recognized from S- Splash Mountain. And yeah. like, I could really appreciate the imagineering that went into Splash Mountain. Like the bird. Um, like the bluebird, like yeah. the gophers. I even, I wrote that down at one point. I was like, gophers. And the little possums. <laughs> the they possums. were even in the little possums, yeah. Um, and just like, you know, how do you do? Fine. How are you? Like, um, like seeing where those originated from and really having an appreciation for the, um, imagineering that goes into Splash Mountain. I really enjoyed those aspects. So I, I definitely agree with everything that Megan said and everything that we've been saying with this podcast, with, um, with the themes of the movie as a whole. Um, but I, I do want to still appreciate the cartoons that came out of it and that continued yeah, to be a, a success afterwards. Yeah. And I mean, they still are like, I, yeah, yeah. I mean like these rides, I don't think I can't imagine Splash Mountain going away anytime soon. And I really, really hope if any Imagineers listening to this, <laughs> I will find you if you get rid of that ride. <laughs> there, there was a rumor a while back that they were going to make it into a um, Princess and the Frog themed. Yeah. No. But I don't know what they would do for that drop. No. We don't need that. Mm-mm. No. We should put a Princess and the Frog ride in New Orleans Square in Disneyland. Oh, yeah. Be that's so what cool. they should do. That wouldn't make and sense because Splash Mountain is in Critter Country not New yep. Orleans Square, so they can't yep. do that. And when you get off nope. the ride, you get a beignet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that Tiana should just get her own ride, and they should keep Splash Mountain. I agree. Um, yeah, mm. I, I will I will say that seeing this movie, I was going into it worried that it would make me not like the ride anymore. That's not true. In fact, I actually just really, like Rory said, appreciate how they changed it, how they made yeah. it work. Yes. And how they totally made that ride like its own story. Like it's it's clearly Absolutely. all of the characters from Song of the South. Um well, all the, the animated, animated characters, characters. right? <laughs> and they made it into this lighthearted, fun, you know, happy go lucky ride minus Briar Fox trying to kill Briar Rabbit, you know, I mean, whatever. And I, mean, I also will yeah. say quickly <laughs> that I never caught on until watching this movie why Briar Rabbit was asking to be thrown into the Briar yeah. Patch. <laughs> I never made that connection either. And really? Like, now I don't understand why because I was just like, oh, he was captured and like now we're dropping. Okay, yay. Everything's yeah, cool. And I, was, I didn't even question it. I mean, like I reason. knew he was from the Briar Patch, but like I guess I was never thinking in my mind like, oh, he would know how to avoid all of those pokey <sighs> parts. 
And, you know, that might have been one of the things that I took with me the first time I saw this film so many years yeah. ago. Like, that, like, I remembered that, oh, he was born and raised in the Briar Patch. <laughs> like, and maybe maybe that, like, I, that's why I always knew that. Yeah. Um, that's so yeah, funny. I did yeah. not. I did not make that connection until I watched <laughs> the movie. Run through the ride, exception it as it is. Yeah. Whatever. Oh, just... Just wait till you ride now. You're going to, like, catch all these things, like... <laughs> I'm excited to ride it again after watching this movie. Yeah, definitely. Maybe I'll just find, like, a point of view video online and watch it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I wish that they had a Splash Mountain at Disneyland Paris. Yes. But they don't. It would be in all French. But that would be awesome. Then I would know how to sing zippity 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 zippity. I bet you most of the words would be the same. <laughs> oh, boy. This is a really long episode. We should probably it is. go on to the Disney memory. Lay zippity doodah. Lay zippity doodah. Moi, oh, moi. Say magnifique. Uh, what's day? Uh, what is day? I know it. I don't remember. <laughs> Somebody tell us. Is anybody French? Let us know. I just know how to say what time is it. Calor at teal. Yep. I taught her that when I was taking French in high school. And we. Yeah. Which I guess I say when I go down the hill. Side note, because I don't think that we've told anybody on this podcast yet, if you don't listen to Swish and Flick, Katie and I are going to Disneyland Paris this fall. Woo! So that is why I brought that up and why I was wondering why Disneyland Paris doesn't have a Splash Mountain. Um, So yeah, you'll be hearing us talk about that in the coming months. Yeah. We can't wait for October. Mm-mm. Because we also have another Disney adventure planned in London that we're going to go on. That Ooh, I'm pretty excited surprise. about. And it has to do with my favorite character, Mr. Winnie the Pooh. So. Yep. yep. <laughs> so on to that Disney memory. Yeah. So this week uh, we have Lexi Just. She says, when I was five years old, my favorite cartoon on TV was Chippendale Rescue Rangers. Oh, my God. Chippendale. Oh, my God, you guys. <laughs> Admittedly. Rescue Rangers. I didn't like it. I know. What's wrong with I you? I know. What's wrong with me? Um, I watched it religiously with my twin. I always felt like Chip and she was Dale. That's adorable. adorable. Side note, I love Chippendale. I just didn't like this cartoon. Um, when I was in college, my friend and I decided to do a road trip to Florida and go to Disney World. Good choice. While at Magic Kingdom, we were just walking along and Chip and Dale appeared out of nowhere and started messing with us. They rustled and messed up our hair and then proceeded to get into a play fight with each other and run off. My friend and I were dying laughing. I love how Disney creates these little little moments of magic for everyone. Side note to that story, my friend's dad gave us old Disney tickets from 1987 that the family never used and told us they never expire so we took them this was 2005 and the ticket counter people said that they never they had never seen ones this old so they had to get a manager to confirm even the manager was surprised we had them they honored them and let us in <laughs> thanks totally guys. true i can't yeah. wait to listen to more episodes i've heard awesome. about i've heard about that from lots of people my family's like, done that before yeah. where we've had like old tickets and like I think we used our last one probably about maybe a couple years ago for when my sister was visiting. That's so but cool. But yeah, it's it's weird, but it's cool. I think that my 
mom has some from whenever she was little, but like part of me doesn't want to turn it into that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm for it. Uh, yeah. No, I would want to keep it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you so much, Rory, for joining us. couple yeah. reasons to thank you. Thank you for uh, dealing with our power outage <laughs> we had. Thank you for rescheduling a million times. Thanks for doing this late. Yes, I want to do a little bit of housekeeping here really quick. So first of all, thank you to all of our listeners for putting up with our random episode last week on the Disney College program. We had a power outage at our house. We couldn't record whenever we had originally planned, and then it was just too hard to schedule, so we put a random one together. And then we had scheduled to record again, and then my mom got sick. I know a lot of people who are listeners know about that, so I want to just let everybody know that she is okay She's out of the hospital. She's home. She's getting better every single day and stronger. Um, She thanks everybody for their thoughts and prayers and happy Disney vibes because they worked on her heart and it's getting stronger. Um, Yay. And also shout out to Sarah Brookhart who was supposed to join us today and... She had some technical difficulties as well, and then it was just way too difficult to reschedule again, and I didn't want to put this off another week for you guys, because I know quite a few people were pretty excited to hear about this episode. So, thank you, Sarah, for having been scheduled about five times to do this podcast, (laughs) and then not being able to, and um, it's fine. We're going to have her on again soon for another episode. Um, So, yeah. 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 Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So Grown Up Kids right. can be found on Podbean, iTunes, the Google Play Store, Stitcher, and TuneIn. And do we add the new one? Not yet, but I'm going to tonight. We're going to be adding Spotify. Yeah. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> so make sure you subscribe so you can be sure to get our latest episode as soon as it's available. You can also find us on social media and join in on the conversation. We're on Facebook at Grown Up Kids, a Disney podcast, and Twitter and Instagram at Grown Up Kids Pod. Also, please make sure that you email us your favorite Disney memories at grownupkidspodcast at gmail.com so that your Disney memory can be featured on an upcoming episode. You could be famous. <laughs> sure. Uh, <laughs> Um, We also have launched our Patreon, which our first bonus episode is going... Did I say this in the last episode, Yes, but your mom got sick. Things were crazy. So I absolutely... So thanks for patience again. Last week did not happen. I literally, like, worked for two days. I had zero time to do anything last week. So I promise you, bonus episode coming this coming week, our first bonus episode for patrons... Um, if you don't know what Patreon is, just head on over to patreon.com forward slash pod, and you can find out what it's all about. It's cool. Do it. Yeah. So some, <laughs> some perks that you can get are bonus episodes, um, Grown Up Kids stickers, and... You can you... be featured on an episode, right? Or... Listen. We're not, yeah, well, we're not putting that Listen on later. Patreon because, like, we're just inviting ah. people all the time. That's just kind Got of, it. like, Ooh. our description of the podcast. But you can join us to watch one of the movies that we do a podcast about. Got it. Um, That's cool. And then there was one <laughs> live. Oh, we're going to try and figure out how to do live podcasts so that, like, you can listen while we record and, like, comment and stuff. So... 
I'm working on figuring that out. It's going to happen soon. <laughs> I promise. <laughs> Technical stuff. So thank you so much for listening. Make sure that you watch Fun and Fancy Free ahead of next week's episode. I believe that we are welcoming Tim back. I think so. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. He's got, like, Frontierland. Oh, yeah. You guys took over our list. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Fakers. <laughs> and don't forget, adults are only kids grown up anyway. All who come to this happy place, welcome. Disneyland is your land. Here age relives fond memories of the past. And here youth may savor the challenge and promise of the future.